Star Wars 7x7 episode 2640. We are continuing our series of looks at Star Wars Visions, this time focusing on one of the most over-the-top installments in the series. It's called The Twins. It's the third episode of Visions. Punch it. Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So I want to make sure I get this <laughs> out of the way early because yesterday I was kind of partway into the episode before I mentioned it, but we are in spoiler territory for this, so if you need that warning then you've officially got that warning. And we're going to do this the same way that we've done the last couple of episodes which is to focus on sort of five top takeaways from this particular Star Wars Visions installment and we're going to weave in some insights from the filmmakers from that filmmaker feature wit that they have that goes along with the episode. So we'll start with the first takeaway by talking about how it's fascinating that they are grabbing a hold, a stronghold of stuff that we saw in the Rise of Skywalker, particularly with the cloning situation. So Am, who is one of the twins and is voiced by Allison Brie, is talking about how the twins were created through the power of the dark side of the Force. And so you get these quick cut shots that look like we're seeing, you know, babies being created and grown to teenagers at you know that point in the backstory situation right in what looked like cloning tubes basically they almost look like bakta tubes as well but i think the idea that you're supposed to take from this is that they're cloning cylinders and the people around them are masked and robed and it looks very much like you know anime type versions anime type versions excuse me of the sith cultists the sith eternal that we meet in the rise of skywalker and the thing is, is that, you know, regardless of what you think about the Rise of Skywalker, the fact of the matter is, is that they've got a ton of background material developed for the Sith cultists. Like, they know what those guys were up to, even if, you know, they're not necessarily telling us just yet, and things will be revealed in stories over time. But, you know, this really feels like a way to help us connect some of that story, you know, just put the dots together, basically, in how... Emperor Palpatine and the Sith cultists were working to try to, you know, give Palpatine eternal life. And, you know, there is all this talk about clones and inhabiting clone bodies and so forth. And, you know, there had to be situations where they're like, yeah, like, let's kick these two out in the world and see what happens. That's certainly what happened with Rey's father. And it even happened with Supreme Leader Snoke, right? So, you have to imagine they weren't the only two that were ushered out into the real world of the the real world of the galaxy and you know just to see how they do and certainly also palpatine has demonstrated a history in the past of saying okay well you know maybe this person is good enough to be my apprentice but they won't always be and so i'm gonna tinker around and experiment with other people other ideas and you know make sure that i've got the absolute top-notch apprentice and once that apprentice starts you know losing his or her grip on things then i've got a ready replacement all set so it felt very much in line with that rise of skywalker background information but also drawing a line all the way back to the end of the prequel era and about how Palpatine treated Vader in the you know, in the aftermath of the fall of the Republic and even how he treated him after the you know fall of the first Death Star after the destruction of that. 
As a second takeaway though, I gotta say, the influences, even if they go that far back, are definitely sequel era based. From the first order design of the Stormtroopers to the you know, sort of pseudo Kylo Ren type masks to the fact that they've got this hyper cannon, which is a kyber crystal powered cannon that can blow up a planet, so they've definitely miniaturized the Death Star tech. You've got that long, narrow bridge that you know overlooks a chasm with no safety railings. That's very much like where Han and Kylo meet in The Force Awakens. And of course, you have the moment where that one Star Destroyer is split in half by a lightsaber in an effect that is very reminiscent of the Holdo maneuver that Admiral Holdo performed to help the Resistance escape from the First Order in The Last Jedi. And speaking of that particular maneuver in the anime, my third top takeaway would have to be the fact that, you know, this is so far the anime that requires the biggest suspension of disbelief because the stuff that's depicted in here defies everything in Star Wars. And yes, certainly, like, you know, we've had conversations on the show about the physics of Star Wars and Patrick Johnson, who is a physics professor, has been a guest multiple times on the show. But the stuff that happens in... <laughs> this episode goes completely beyond the pale, like unmasked, unspacesuited people having battles in open space on the hulls of Star Destroyers, right? And, you know, riding an X-Wing and wielding a lightsaber without any kind of of you know a flight suit and then standing on the outside of the x-wing as it goes into hyperspace i mean yes so it's described as being completely over the top bombastic like the action is just absolutely crazy and wild and it's kind of the point in its way i feel like it's almost operatic at that level which makes sense because star wars is a space opera <laughs> and so yeah they really lean into that with this particular installment oh and i want to circle around to the homage situation and the fact that it's very sequel era focused in terms of its visuals and i think there's actually kind of one exception to that and this could be me layering it on but i happen to mention the alphabet squadron trilogy in yesterday's episode apropos of nothing in that episode, right? Tatooine Rhapsody doesn't really reflect on Alphabet Squadron, but there is a scene in this one in the twins where, you know, they're in a landing bay and this is actually another situation where like very much like The Last Jedi, uh, our hero is faced down in a landing bay with an overwhelming force of First Order people and yet in the landing bay, there are also good guy ships, right? So in particular, there is one of almost every kind of you know major good guy ship in the movies, in the original and the prequel era. So there's a Jedi Starfighter in there, but there's also an X-Wing, a Y-Wing, an A-Wing, a B-Wing, and what looks like the nose of a U-Wing. So that immediately put me in mind of Alphabet Squadron. But there's also a classic TIE bomber from the original trilogy and also a TIE interceptor from Return of the Jedi. So yeah, even old Empire ships are represented. So it kind of makes you think that the you know actual landing base purpose is just kind of personal, like collections of, of starfighters. Okay, moving on to a fourth takeaway. This one is so far the only episode that ends with an outright cliffhanger, right? So I know we talked about the duel, the first episode in Star Wars Visions, and the fact that 
they imply that there's more to Ronan's story, right, with the kyber crystals that he's carrying around. So obviously he's been hunting other Sith for a while and will probably continue going on doing that. But, you know, he just sort of, you know, is done with the story and that's it. We don't necessarily get a cliffhanger for what's about to happen to him next. Whereas in this particular case, we do get that at the end with the other twin reflecting um, to his droid that, you know, somewhere out there is the person who made them. So he refers to she and you think he's talking about his twin, but he's not. He's saying, oh, like, yeah, she's also alive as well. I can feel it. But what he's specifically talking about is saying that the maker of the twins, who is a she, is out there somewhere and they are going to find her and find out what their purpose was, why they were created. By the way, this other twin is voiced by Neil Patrick Harris, so nice to see him getting other Star Wars work beyond doing uh, narration for audiobooks. Now he is in yet another thing. Oh, and he narrated the Tales of the Galaxy's Edge uh, thing. Uh, I'm sorry, a Galaxy's Edge uh, documentary thing for Disney Plus, excuse me. So yeah, anyway, getting more <laughs> work in Star Wars, which is awesome. And the droid to whom he's talking is named RDUO. And when you look in the credits, it says RDUO's voice is himself. And <laughs> that makes me wonder whether Dave Filoni is involved in that at all, because Chopper was always listed as quote unquote himself in Star Wars Rebels' end credits. And it turned out that it was Dave Filoni doing that somehow, like having his voice altered <laughs> or something. So yeah, it does make you wonder if Dave Filoni is involved in that one as well. But anyway, the cliffhanger thing. So yeah, they are making a direct statement to the effect that this you know, story is going to continue because they are going to go looking for the person who created them in the lab. And by saying she, somehow it's not Palpatine, so it's somebody who's working for Palpatine, presumably. So yeah, it definitely leaves the door open for some new and interesting storytelling. And last but not least, if you were to try to put this into a canon timeline, which I'm not saying we can, but you would have to say it takes place no earlier than 28 ABY because the First Order was more or less founded around that time, so about six years before the events of The Force Awakens. But yeah, I mean, it's really hard to say beyond that because obviously we didn't see either of the twins represented in the sequel trilogy. So yeah, where were they if they were kicking around? It makes you think that perhaps their story was told and resolved prior to the events of The Force Awakens, at least, you know, if I had to put my money on something somewhere for this one, that's where I would put it. And so there you go. Those are the five top takeaways I've got for you related to The Twins, which is the third episode in Star Wars Visions, and that is going to do it for this episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.